This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to the Human Animal Connection Show, where we believe we can communicate with all animals. Join us as we explore the 33 principles and healing methods of the Human Animal Connection. As animal lovers, we know that you share our commitment to making the world a kinder place for all creatures. Together, let's embrace the transformative healing power of the Human Animal Connection. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Human Animal Connection Show. I'm your host, the luckiest guy in town, Michael Overly, and I'm with the amazing Jeannie Joseph, and we've got an amazing topic for you today. We do. We're going to be talking about rhythm, timing, and distance in the animal world and how they use these elements to stay in sync, how it helps them to be in sync with the natural world and how it can help us too. So we're going to be talking about how important these three elements are working with animals. So whether you're volunteering at a shelter and working with dogs that have had trauma or or adversity or your own dogs or just wanting to tune up your own life, I think you'll find this show fun. (laughs) Well, and useful. I mean, yeah, yeah, we've lost... uh most of us have lost touch with the natural rhythms of life, I feel. Right. Um, and we touched on some of it in, in the last episode about time mm-hmm. and a relationship with time. And we don't, we don't flow with, with how the year rolls and the seasons and the changing of the lighting and weather. And, um, we think we can control and control everything, I guess is the simplest way to put it. Yeah. Well, you know, animals, um, they live in sync with nature. And when we domesticated the animals, in some ways we deprive them of some of the touchstones of those rhythms. And so we have to really look at that. You know, what are the ways that which we need to help animals restore their natural sense of rhythm and timing and to work with that with ourselves and in partnership with them? You know, like I, I pay a lot of attention to their uh, desire to be outside and play and romp and their desire to be inside and nap as they're doing right now, as you can see (laughs) the little dog in the very big bed and the very big dog in the very little bed, which you can't (laughs) see on screen. But anyway, that's what's going on in this room right now. And um, yeah, so they, they have, uh, they stay, if, if possible, they stay very attuned to their natural desires. Like what, what do they want now? Do they want to eat? Do they want to play? Do they want to potty? Do they want to sleep? What is it that they need? And as humans, we, if they're living in, in our life cycles, sometimes they can get a little divorced from how they would like to do things. So we need to make sure that we're paying attention to some of their natural rhythms and to follow along suit. Cause it's good for us too, to, get up at a certain time and go to bed early and things that they like to do. So they can help us. <laughs> Absolutely. I love when Indigo wants to just go outside and lay in the sun. Yeah. Right. And exactly. it, it reminds me to just slow down a little bit. I don't yeah. have to do everything today. Exactly right. Exactly right. And, and you know, in nature, you know, everything is moving to a rhythm, you know, whether it's the night and day or the seasons or whatever it is. And it's just everything is just in balance with itself, except when we have climate change, of course, things get out of balance. But but in, in its natural state, there would be a, a, a natural rhythm that just is. And as humans, it's sort of fun to be in nature because we need to pay attention to that. It, it it matters if it's getting dark, you know, do we have a place to sleep or whatever, you know, we have to pay more attention when we're in a natural situation. So, yeah. So 
this can animals can help us find our way back to natural rhythms not that we're going to live like animals but there are some elements like you said when indigo it's time for her to lay in the sun maybe it's time for you to do a, a couple of deep breaths or just a pause or walk around or just stare at the sun or sit in the sun with her or something like this you know this is it's going to be different for everybody we can't always do what they're going to do but just to consider the possibility that rhythm is important and it's interesting because the the americans i guess worldwide are there's a sleep crisis you know people are not sleeping well they're not getting enough sleep it's a whole mess in fact the cd said cdc has said that one in three is having sleep disturbances either not getting enough sleep having trouble going to sleep having tr trouble staying asleep you know and this is part because we're very isolated from the natural cycles. We're indoors and temperature controlled and we're not um, being affected by the changes in nature. Yeah. I didn't know it was one in three. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's what, I mean, that's the, I think a U.S. study, but I think that I don't think that's different for much of the rest of the world. You know, there's, there's a real sleep crisis, a real epidemic of sleep. And it's interesting in, in the military, they used to have this idea that uh, soldiers should you know, learn to do without sleep and they would wake them up every two hours and send them on missions. And it was a big thing to be able to say, oh, I only need four hours of sleep or whatever it is. And they came to understand that this was all wrong, that this was not good for the body. It was not good for performance. It was actually counterproductive to their number one goal, which was good performance. And they began saying to the soldiers, sleep seven or eight hours. And they began to, you know, they changed some of their training systems. And I, I was working with the military during this transition and signs all over the place, you know, sleep seven or eight hours. And it was so, it was such a revolutionary thing to say for the military who had put such an emphasis on and uh, being Superman and not needing to sleep. And then they realized that they were harming the the well-being of the force by doing this. And so there became this whole campaign of sleeping. So if the military says they wanted their all this productivity out of their soldiers, they thought if they could keep them up for 18 hours or whatever it was, you know, that they were going to get more out of them and they found out they were getting less out of them. So it's time for us to realize that we need to sleep. And if you pay attention to the dogs, of course, the dogs are very domesticated. They're in our lifestyles and they'll, here we're in the desert, they can go out and romp when pretty much at will, but they spend a lot of time napping. As you can see right behind me, Lucy, a little desert dog is in Lulu's bed <laughs> sleeping away. And so there's a lot to be said for that. And uh, we can learn from watching the rhythms of animals. When we speak about rhythm, it's interesting. We used to think that humans, of course, we always have, have this idea that humans are the only ones that can do X, Y, Z. You know, we think we're the superior species and all this nonsense. And, and we're finding out that uh, there are a lot of animals that actually have musical rhythm, appreciate music, and respond to music. Like they have these doggy dancing contests. And the people who win these contests, they do these little dances with their dogs, you know, they're fun is fun is silly but um these are very very bonded relationships and these people spend a lot of time really working with their dogs but they will tell you that you can't just pick a piece of music and expect the dog to perform that they have certain pieces of music that they love that they certain pieces of music they don't like at all and some that they're neutral and it always works better when you pick a piece of music that the dog responds to so this is an interesting thing and you've probably seen that video of the cockatoo doing dancing to one of those songs you know the, all these different dance moves and somebody actually did a, a a study and analyzed those dance moves and they're all like 17 unique moves that this bird is doing untaught you know which is kind of fun and there you, there's um 
I forget what it is. I think it's a seal bopping to some 70s music, which is pretty fun. And, you know, there's a lot, there's an elephant's responding to music. So there's, it's an interesting thing to think that that rhythm is not a human thing specifically. It's something that as animals, we're animals and we appreciate it, but the other animals can enjoy that also. I've seen a video of a guy with his golden retriever in a, I think it was maybe a, um, a store. Uh-huh. And they're like, you know, cha-cha, rumba, yeah. spinning, twirling. It was amazing. And I, yeah. I had no idea. I mean, how does this golden stay on his hind legs for so long? Right. And it was fantastic. Yeah. 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 It's really, it's really fun to see some of those as long as it's done humanely. But usually those are people who have a tremendous love and bond with their dogs who, who do that kind of training. But it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to see them really enjoy that. So are you going to start teaching a doggy dancing class? I don't think so. I don't think, uh, you know, like I, Sophia likes to spin. She'll do that fun spin. Mm. Um, so she enjoys that, but she's not one for following a routine. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but I admire people who I've seen some of those doggy dancing things. It's a chihuahua doing, you know, really like the great little salsa rhythm on his hind legs. And so not all dogs are going to enjoy that, but the ones that do seem to have a really good time. <laughs> Oh, fun. It's a competitive sport. It's <laughs> donkey dancing. And I, I want to talk a little bit about distance too, because um, distance is such an important thing when we're working with, with shelter dogs who've had some trauma. There is a, per- we, we say in the human animal connection, there's a perfect distance for every interaction. So that doesn't mean that, you know, you should always be three feet away or six feet away. It means that every specific dog in every specific environment with every specific person is going to have a preference for what they want in terms of the sense of distance with with the person. And that's something to really pay attention to. And even with your dogs at home, you'll find sometimes they want to be like Lulu. The dog we're fostering had a lot of behavioral issues. And in the beginning, she had to be right next to me. I mean, literally having contact. And now she's, a you know, six feet away from me, you know, laying in the corner there, which is great because that's a sign that she has more confidence that she still wants to be close and she still wants that touch, but she can spend a lot more time with independent space. And so this is a way for me to calibrate how her nervous system is doing is how she's using space. And now she has more flexibility with space than she had in the beginning. And so, yeah, have you noticed that with Indigo that certain things, uh, if things get too close, will be stressful for her? What what have you noticed? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And similar to uh, Lulu, when when Indy first came, she was a little clingy, right? And just wanted to be with you, be in contact with you, leaning against you, laying on you. Mm -hmm. Um, Now it's like, hey, where's Indigo? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) She's like, I'm going to go in this room and take a nap, you know? Right. um, And I think that is so healthy for her to be able to make that choice for herself. Right. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll just go look for her. I'm like, oh, there she is. And then, you know, but leave her alone, right? Give mm-hmm. her yeah. her space because that she chose to go do that thing. And, right. you know, other times I'm like, I, I'm like, oh, I want some attention from my dog. Where is she? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I've, I've, I've learned to be more patient and, mm-hmm. uh, and give her that space too. Yeah. But, yeah. um, when we're out with, you know, with the other dogs in the area, um, depending on, if we're behind them or walking towards another dog, a face-to-face type of um, situation, or behind a fence. Mm-hmm. Right? Perfect example, my neighbor's dog, um, she's got a Black Shepherd mix, mm-hmm. um, female, and they're both very strong personalities. 
Mm-hmm. So um, it took us a while before we could actually just walk them together. Yeah. And now they're fine, right? Yeah. yeah. So we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll, we'll go for a walk. We take yeah. our dogs, go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if we're over by the school, we mm-hmm. do this little loop in the mornings. Mm-hmm. And if we're over by the school and this other dog is inside the schoolyard and we're near the fence at all, she comes flying and aggressive and snarling and barking and pawing mm-hmm. at the grass. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Wild. Yeah. So when I see her inside the schoolyard, I move further from the fence. Right. Great. Excellent. But Excellent. yeah, it's just, but it, it's fascinating, right? It's There's, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So they know each other really well. Right. They, we live next door, but when mm-hmm. there's this one fence, mm. this dog goes ballistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how that is. And just understanding that allows you to adjust and uh, interpret it correctly and make the adjustments so that things are continue to be smooth. So it makes a huge difference. And even culturally, there are some cultures that like a lot of distance and some cultures that like a lot of closeness. Like I lived in Hawaii for 25 years and there was a lot of Asian people. And if you had to stand in line, the Asian people would stand very close. I mean, like literally like you could feel their breath kind of close. And for me, that was like, you know, I didn't like it. It's not a Western thing to do. Western, we have a like a 18 inch three foot rule. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, we, we need that space. And if anybody gets in closer, it jangles our nervous system, you know, and in uh, the Asian culture, it actually relaxes them to be like all because they're used to being they have more experiences of being in situations where people are very closely lined up. They do a lot of lining up. So <laughs> for them, it's it's absolutely normal. But it's really interesting when, when you're in line at a bank or a post office, someplace you don't want to be or whatever, and and somebody's too close, it really jars us. And so it does something primal to the nervous system when people violate what we feel is our sense of space. Yeah. Have, you, are you, have you felt that? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, um, we rode our bikes to the farmer's market last mm-hmm. weekend. Uh-huh. And we were, you know, walking around and checking all everybody's stuff and the wares. And and at one point, the traffic stopped moving. People stopped walking. And there were just, you know, a group, big group of people was looking at this. And it just became packed from both oh. directions. Oh, and yeah. and then I, I felt, yes. and I'm like, I'm like yeah. Dana, I got to move. Yeah. I, said, I You know, and I just, I just felt really uncomfortable because I, yeah. I literally, I couldn't go left, right, forward, or back. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like excuse me. And, you know, uh-huh. kind of. <clears throat> push past uh-huh. somebody and i was like uh-huh. so yeah. that was really interesting because I, I i need room because right. of my nervous system i i'm like whoa okay in my space not invited yeah. right strangers right you know maybe dana could be close to you and it's not going to trigger that same response mm-hmm. as long as you guys are in sync but if you guys get out of sync then you're going to need more space you know and this is something that that people who are living together need to be aware of each other's sense of space. And when sometimes it's fine to have no space and sometimes there's a need for more space and it's a fluid thing. It's not always a fixed thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like we, we don't always hang out in the same room when we're home together. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we, in the morning we, we start hanging out together, right? Sipping mm-hmm. coffee, holding hands. It's really nice. But mm-hmm. then then we split off and we go mm-hmm. to different rooms and do our own things. Mm-hmm. You know, and even later in the day, same thing. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. hang out together, but maybe we won't. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no pressure to do that. Yeah. Um, and we both, it has to be fluid because we're going to feel different at different times of the day. Right. So um, yeah, but having that space is fantastic. 
Yeah, it really is. It's just, it makes everything smoother when we recognize what our animals need, what we need, what we need with our partners or people who share space with us. And this can makes cubicle life kind of difficult because sometimes you have no control over proximity and smell and sound. Somebody else's sound is in your space. <laughs> it's hard. It, it's uh, In modern society, there's not a lot of respect for space. I used to live in New York City and rode the subways every day to work and you're sardined in there, all kinds of smells and tastes and touch. It's just, you know, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to have that. And now I'm so grateful to have the space that I have, which is living in this country here in the desert. So it's very peaceful and, and nice. Yeah, very, very nice. So should we take a little break? Yeah, let's take yeah. a break, folks. We will be back here in just a minute. Hey friends, if you like what you're hearing and want to learn more, check out Dr. Joseph's book, The Human-Animal Connection, Deepening Relationships with Animals and Ourselves. Or visit the website, thehumananimalconnection.org, to book an online consultation. Thank you for loving animals. Now back to the show. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hey folks, welcome back. We are excited to keep talking about this. Um, we wanted to continue talking about distance because this is such an important topic. Yeah. Uh, like, like right now, Jeannie's got four dogs in her house, right? right. So that's got to be, um, you know, maybe tens of times of this competition for space or desire for space. So tell us more about that. Well, in the beginning, Lulu, the, the the foster that we're the dog that we're fostering from the shelter, she had a, an enormous amount of issues, and so the first night was insane, you know. But after that, because we are using some of our human animal connection healing techniques and recognizing these different dynamics and and taking good care so that she can begin to navigate this for herself. So we we've made considerable considerable progress there are still some hot buttons like when i leave as a hot button you know or somebody comes to the door as a hot button but as far as space it's they are able to be all four dogs in the same small room the same uh you know in all together and they also are able to be on their own so we've i've got in the room right next to this door there one dog on the bed my bed, another dog in her bed, and then I've got in this room two dogs in in their bed. So they, but they are, they they know. Well, it's interesting because two of the dogs, the new ones, are not quite as good at respecting distance as dogs would like. So Lulu, for example, has no good sense of space. She thinks she's a little puppy and she's 56 pounds. And so she will be in my way a lot, standing in front of me to keep me from moving forward. You know, she doesn't want me to leave. And um, also with the other dogs, she'll be in their butts too long. She's She doesn't get it about space, but they have all accepted that about her and the the tolerance level from the other dogs has gone up and her ability to read has gone up a little bit too. So they've all kind of changed a little bit of their routines to accommodate um, the one who's not so skilled at reading the signals. Because um, the, the healthy, two, the two dogs that were living together doing really well, completely versed at who wants attention, who doesn't, and they keep each other space all the time. And they only come together when there's a human that's giving treats or won't giving love and they're then they're all close in a pack, which is fun. It's really fun to see that because they're all really comfortable with that. So two of them reading reading very well and two of them 
need more to learn. So Lucy, the little, this little one in the bed here, she, being a reservation dog, she didn't get a lot of human attention. So she's almost desperate. So if I'm petting Sophia, she will literally shove her nose into my hand and break up the, so then I have to go one hand on Sophia, one hand on Lucy, <laughs> keep it fair. Because remember, animals love fairness. That's very, very important to them to feel that sense of fairness. As they get more comfortable and trusting that there's enough to go around, they can relax a little if one gets a little more attention than the other. But it's very interesting to watch the balance. And when we had three dogs um, here, it was really interesting to just keep noticing how they would often triangulate. So one dog, like if you look at a triangle, one dog would be at the base, another dog at the other base, and the other, third dog at the top. Wherever they were in the room, you could you could draw you could literally draw a triangle. It was so interesting. We're not quite sure what that means, or maybe it's just you could draw a triangle between any three dogs. I don't know, but it's it seems more deliberate on their part. And I'm talking about maybe five, six space in between each other. It's not like they're close, but they triangulate a lot. And I just find that interesting. No, it's really interesting. It really I is. I have to, to I have to yeah. I mean it, it takes dogs that are comfortable to do that, to that they can just choose their space and lay down and see, are they in a triangle? I don't know what it means, if it means anything, but it, it's certainly interesting for us to notice because every time we notice, we go, oh, look at the triangle. It's like a moment of pause for us. And we go, look how they put themselves in this perfect triangle. So I don't know if there's something sacred about that positioning that to be in that triangle or just feels good or it's safe. Uh, I see it in the shelter dogs too that that know each other. So it's it's an interesting phenomenon. I didn't know that. I'll definitely pay attention to that. Yeah, yeah. And if our viewers can send us their comments, if they've seen that or if they have any theories about what it means, it's. I don't want to jump to any conclusions about what it means because just, I'm just observing it. So, yeah, it's really fun, really huh. fun. Yeah. Well, and the, the it, safety is a big piece of it, right? Huge, huge. Safety and distance are uh, are like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know they go together it's it's if you violate a sense of, of the person's sense of of space or safe or distance you're going to get a feeling of unsafety if you respect the sense of space that the person desires you're going to create safety and that's the same with animals so if you're doing shelter volunteering working with dogs you don't know you want to really pay attention and, and if possible let them choose the distance what's the perfect distance for them so what i do is i get myself in a position where I can be completely still. And if I'm in a yard with a dog at the shelter, for example, I'll be completely still and let them weave in and out. So they'll come and get a little love or attention and then they wander off and do something. And then they come back and get a little attention and wander off. And that rhythm is fascinating. I'll start to see, oh, there's a cycle. You know, every seven minutes, this dog needs attention or every 70 seconds, this dog needs, or every seven seconds, this dog needs attention. There's there's a rhythm. And I, when I work with a dog over time at the shelter, I can see that that change. I can see how, like I was mentioning with Lulu, she, or you said with Indigo, that first needing to be in constant contact or in visual line or touch line. And now the dog can be in the other room and be perfectly peaceful. Yeah. 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 Um, another one for uh, people who are, who've got a, maybe a reactive dog mm -hmm. is giving your dog more distance when need, meeting new people and new dogs. Exactly right. Right. Exactly right. Um, Sometimes we'll meet a, just a human on a walk, and they're like, "Oh, can I pet your dog?" I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" Yeah, yeah. Back off. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. You know, if you want to say hi, we can do that, but I need you to do three things. I need you to stop, look mm -hmm. at me, and stand still. Right. And let her come right. to you. Right. Yeah. So perfect. Um, 
And that's our job, you know, on the walks, we have to make sure that because we don't want them having experiences that are scary or stressful for them, because then we have to deal with that. That's really great that you advocate for your dog. When we do therapy dog work, and these are dogs that are trained and are very comfortable with a lot of attention, but we constantly have to say, hey, you know, I think she'd like that's her favorite spot is over here. Don't go, you know, don't touch her ears or don't touch her paws or, you know, people, especially young people will just do all the things that dogs don't like, come overhead or touch their tails or their toes mm-hmm. or these things. And so, you know, we have to constantly advocate when we're out on a walk because people, they want to be nice and they think, oh, your dog is so pretty, you're so cute, and they want to have contact, but that's not necessarily what your dog wants. And it's our job to make sure that distance is, works for the dog, that timing works for the dog. Like you say, stop, stay, look at me, don't look at the dog. Those, th- those things make a huge difference in making sure that that interaction goes really well. And then it becomes a good experience for the dog and the person. And the last thing we need is an experience that's not good for anybody, right? We don't want yeah. that. Well, yeah. People who, like elderly, people who move mm-hmm. differently, literally physically as they walk, they move. Right. They, they might be able to move mm-hmm. differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, sometimes the dogs are uncomfortable with that. It's like, whoa, exactly right. what's going on here? Because it's not the yeah. same normal pattern we see everybody else walking around in. Yeah, huge so. issue. In the therapy dog test, that's one of the things that we do is we simulate, we walk in weird ways, we make weird noises, we stomp, mm-hmm. we growl, we do weird things, make sure that the dogs can go, oh, okay, that's not just a weird person, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah. yeah, this will be true is that you'll see dogs reacting to people who have different ambulation or different patterns or things like that. That happens a lot. Yeah. yeah. So they might need more distance. Exactly. 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 <laughs> yeah. Because when we violate an animal's sense of, of proper space for that moment, for that interaction, and it's all circumstantial. So for example, there might be a situation where you can approach the dog and do anything and they'll be fine. But in another environment, that touch or that speed or that distance may not be fine. So it's the whole picture. It's the whole ecosystem of how's the dog feeling? Where is the dog? Does the dog have an escape route? You know, what's interesting is one of the challenges with Lulu is with people coming to the door. When women come to the, well, when men come to the door, they're just going to get the bark treatment, right? When women come to the door, they, she wants at them, but she wants to jump on them and all these things that we're so we're working on that but because she just it's almost like she wants to merge with the woman (laughs) like you know who are you my long lost friend and this is a stranger i'm talking about so we are working our way through the doorway issues it's gonna Mm -hmm. be a little while but uh that's what fostering is all about is doing doing this work and helping hopefully at some point there'll be a wonderful person who loves her because she's just magnificent dog it just has a ways to go yeah well, they're all magnificent. I think yeah. we get caught in the trap that, you know, my dog needs to be like this dog or behave like yeah. that person's dog. And yeah. um, they're like, they're like people in that way. They've had yeah. their own experiences, mm-hmm. um, good or bad, energetically, you know, they're, they're soft, they're hard, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they, we, but we need to learn how to read them and give them what they actually need. That's right. That's right. And in, in our next episode, we're going to be really talking about balancing what dogs need to feel balanced and you know what are these different elements so what one dog needs is the exact opposite of what the next dog needs and so we want to help people understand if their dog's an introvert or an extrovert those dogs need different kinds of guidance in experiences and new situations and other dogs you can just trust them that they're going to be fine in in whatever new thing comes their way but that's not true for all dogs so that's what we'll be talking about yeah great well it's been wonderful to be with you and i hope 
our listeners will tune in again and that we'll see you next time. So we'll say aloha for now. Thank you all. Aloha for now. Thank you for tuning in to the Human Animal Connection Show. Please visit our website, thehumananimalconnection.org. There you can sign up for our free email newsletter, book a consultation, or check out our blogs and resources. Our best-selling book, The Human Animal Connection, is available on Amazon. And your donation of any amount keeps our nonprofit organization providing life-changing services. You can reach Michael Overly, author of Let Your Dog Lead, musings on how to create an exceptional life, on his website at dogsandmen.com or email michael at dogsandmen.com. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.